Welcome to the Productivity Intech Podcast bonus feed. Thank you for your support in helping the Productivity Intech Podcast, as well as all other J&J Media ventures. To find out more, head over to jnj.media. Okay, I am no longer crazy. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm still crazy, but... <laughs> So how has everything been at uh at Launch Darkly? Amazing. Like I just did my job review today, like my annual review. Nice. And my what went right this year was three times as long as what went wrong. That's always good. Yeah, it was it was actually we're using a a tool called Lattice. And they've made it very simple in that there are three freeform boxes, like what went right this year? What could have gone better? What do you want to do next year? Oh, I like that. I know. And you can put as much or as little as you want. I mean, I'm sure if we put like nothing in there, our bosses would be like, uh, hello. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. So this conversation is going to be all about you. And I'm trying to remember what I what scheme I use to lure you into a conversation. ADD uh, and uh, neurodivergence and technology. Okay, cool. I think. Let me let me go look at my, my records here. That is the downside to doing so many things. It's like, wait, I know I wanted to talk to you because I always want to talk to you, but at the same time, I'm trying to remember. Yes. I, I think that's what we said, but I'm certainly flexible. Uh, like, I, I'm also willing to talk about feature flags because always... And uh, speaking, and I don't know, whatever. In that case, let's. Hmm. Let's start with a little bit about what you do, how that works, and then how. Because I know you're still you're still traveling a lot, and then still also trying to do. Because I think it was like traveling but also like maintaining like family and then oh, yeah. having responsibilities and how you you manage that uh i want to say that was it but if Quite i'm possible. if i'm wrong then i guess that's what we're going with <laughs> <laughs> that works so my name is heidi waterhouse and i work for a company called launch darkly and we do what i sum up as future flags as a service and that means that we spend a lot of time talking to people who care about developer tools. So I've spent the last 18 months since I started literally traveling the country and the world talking about feature flags and how awesome they are. Um, but that means that I have spent shockingly little time at home. I uh, tallied up my my already planned trips for the next couple months and I will be home nine days in March and 13 days in April. No, the other way around. Yeah. 13 days in March and nine in April. Oh, wow. That's, that is a like, and is our, and you have a family and everything. So is this away from family? Does family come with you? It is almost a hundred percent away from family. Uh, in December, I got to take my wife to uh, one of my conferences that was in Florida and she says I'm required to go to that conference forever and ever now because she had a great time like sitting by the beach and I'm like 
Yeah, all the rest of us were in a conference room with a view of the beach. <laughs> I think there's a, who is it, Release Notes. I think their conference is in like Cozumel this year. Or oh, that's like, just not nice. <laughs> yeah, like they, they, oh yeah, we preserved a private island to do a developer conference. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> so on, on my bucket list of things that I want to feel like I've earned, um, there is an intermittent cruise that goes to Antarctica that they're going to run as a conference. So if you are a speaker who has the other six continents, you could get the seventh one. Oh man, that's I think they combine it with the crazy marathon people who have seven continent aspirations. So is it like frozen conf? I, I don't know. I, I'm like I cannot personally justify five thousand dollars to to check that off, but man, it's tempting. Yeah, no, that that's that's a little too wild for me. But one of the cool things that so we uh, for some reason, I always say that uh, we originally met. Wow, two years ago. Like, well, yeah, a year, yeah, two years ago. Last, last December, not this December. Yeah, yeah. December of two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. We met in Petaluma, and had a really good chicken sandwich at a bar, and that tells you how much of a lasting impression you made on me is that I remembered that it was a bar and that I had a chicken sandwich and we shared Cajun fries and it was really good. And you were explaining to me a lot of what you do and and how Launch Darkly was, was doing a lot of new things in the industry. And one of those things was you have such a great representation and a, and, and a great diversity of, of people in not only in like the actual teams but being presented and you are one of the people that are you know in the forefront of that because you were going to all these conferences yeah and i really credit launch darkly with letting me be all of me online like when i started i said okay so do i need to tone down my twitter do you want me to get a professional twitter how do you want me to handle that and they're like no we, we hired you to be you. Go ahead and be you. And um, I know other people, especially other sort of visible women on Twitter whose companies have said that and who have then been like, I can't believe you're tweeting about, you know, menstrual supplies or whatever. Would you please knock that off? Um, but I have never gotten that message. And it's great. And um, one of the things that Launch Darkly sponsors me doing is if I can stitch together a couple of customer visits around it they'll go ahead and pay for me to go to conferences to talk about diversity topics. So I just came back from um, PyCon AU. No, RubyConf AU. You'd think I could tell these apart. They were, <laughs> they were in Australia and they were full of lovely people. Um, RubyConf AU giving a talk about um, ADD and neurodivergence on teams. And it's not a lot of companies who are like, yeah, all, all the publicity you bring us is good publicity. Go ahead and talk about weird brain stuff. So it's not just you having to, I mean, I, at first I was going to be like, oh, I feel bad because you're, you're leaving your family to go to like PyCon in Cleveland. <laughs> you know, but... I, I do go to Cleveland. <laughs> Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a remarkably nice conference center. I'm just saying more people should have conferences in Pittsburgh. I mean, if you, if you come to DjangoCon this year, you'll be more than invited to uh, hang out at, um, in San Diego with us. Yeah. Sounds warm. The number of not warm places I've gone to is actually 
this January has been ridiculous in that I get I got to go to Australia and then I went to Pi Caribbean, which is in the Dominican Republic. And uh, next week I'm leaving for South Africa. So when you're doing all of this traveling, how does, because I mean, life has to continue at home. How does, how does that happen? How do you feel like, okay, okay, I'm leaving. And when I come back, I'm, I'm a part of the family. I'm continuing where we left off or, or things are moving. Like, what is that like when you first leave? And then when you come back? So I'm pretty lucky uh, in that I can afford to support my wife staying home. And uh, she can therefore support the kids doing all of their, you know, various and assorted kid activities. Um, And my kids are somewhat older. So like, if they want to talk to me, they will just call me on their cell phones, because my kids are 16 and 14 now. And so they're just like, yeah, whatevs, mom, that's just how it's been for the last four years. Like, that's how we live. Um, So I'll come home, and I'll get a hug. And they'll try and prove that they're taller than me. And I have to tell you, this year, I'm going to wear boots every time I come home. <laughs> getting pretty close. <laughs> and um, then, yeah, we sort of settle back in. Uh, my wife and I have, have different housekeeping standards. So I'm always like, for the love of God, are you telling me nobody swept <laughs> the floor for three weeks? And she's like, yeah, but when I leave you alone, like, they go feral in other ways fair i guess i guess you're in charge when i'm gone and also when i'm here (laughs) yeah that's i think that's the relationship i have with my wife we're starting a podcast together and i was like it took me six years to convince you to do this and she Mm -hmm. she was like because you already spend too much time in the office whether you're streaming doing interviews or whatever like you're always in the office you're always busy so i figured if I can't get you out of the office, I'll join you in there and we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> you know? Yes. One of the things I do to try and make it a little less hard on my wife, um, although it's sort of a trade-off, is all of my uh, reward points and airline miles go to vacations for her. Oh, that's and nice. On parenting duty 100% of the time and sort of stuck at home. When I get home and I have enough points saved up, um, I'll send her off to see her friends in Seattle or Boston or whatever. Oh, nice. Yeah. But that means that then we don't have that time together. So that's kind of hard. Yeah. Um, I'm actually kind of worried about what's going to happen when I stop traveling so much, because I think we're going to have to learn to live together again. <laughs> I, I get that. And and I, I think that's something that... Like the post-retirement problem, right? Well, I'm not not even post-retirement because that that happens. Like you go through cycles in life. I mean, I was in the military, so I I was deployed for almost three years. Like I would go out for three months, come back for one, go out for three months, come back for one. And uh, I told my wife, you know, living in I've lived in San Diego for six years now, and this is the longest I've lived in any place since I was like ten. And like the longest I've lived in any like county since I was like 10. And that absolutely drives me insane. Like I'm trying to convince her like uh, Seattle must be the place to go because I'm trying to convince her to move to Seattle too. And it's like, oh, yeah, we can move to Capitol Hill or we can move, you know, to to Renton somewhere. And and she's just like, no, it rains. And but she's always lived in Southern California. So 
for her, no. it's like, this is just normal. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take somebody who's like, who doesn't like rain to, to the Northwest. Don't do it. Not going to end well. It's been raining a lot here. And she's just like, I don't know what the, like, what is happening? <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, why is the sky falling? <laughs> we watched that movie the other day. Yeah. We're introducing our daughter to a uh, kid's movie. So, <laughs> oh man, that's so fun. You know, what's even more fun is introducing your kids to grown up movies. Oh, well, she's, she's only six months old. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, <laughs> She's no, no. got a while. <laughs> yeah, she's got a while, but like uh, when I'm home, one of the things I do with the kids is we have a standing date for a family movie night. And oh, nice. I live tweet it because it's fucking hilarious. Um, and so we'll, we'll like talk through the whole movie about what's going on in the movie. And it's really interesting, both because I'm giving them like all this cultural background that I have. And also because their perspectives on it are super different. Um, it's sort of like uh, when my eldest read, um, uh, Shirley Jackson's The Lottery in high school because evidently we're still making kids do that. Wow. And he's like, what is this M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end? And I'm like, ah. <laughs> no, no fair. That was your first reference for that 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 behavior. Okay, yeah. That's yeah, funny. Okay. <laughs> but that's that's cool. Like you you introduce ways to to make the time that you have more, more valuable, you know, when you're at home. And I, I think that's something that I think people that don't travel all the time need to work on. I know I need to work on that. <laughs> yeah. I, like we've learned that we have to have standing dates with the people we love, you know, to keep a relationship going with them. That isn't just a conversation about the kids. Um, but I think we also need to remember to do that with our kids and to say, Hey, this is a special time that's set apart. The other thing I do, which they do not love, um, but will someday look back on fondly is um, we'll frequently on Sundays have like digital timeout where you just, you can't be on your screens. And if you tell this to a 14 year old and a 16 year old, they make a noise like the wicked witch of the West has just gotten wet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think it's important and I do it too. And we all sit around and like do a puzzle or read a book or something together uh, because I want them to have touchstones that are like memorable. Um, and I'm not going to say I'm perfect at this. I missed my daughter's 13th and 14th birthdays. I kind of sort of missed my son's 16th birthday. Um, they're not, they are not super like on the exact date birthday people, but like, I'm not doing great at keeping those dates clear. And um, I wonder if I'm, I'm going to pay for that later, if that's going to be a thing for them. Well, I, I think more than anything, and, and this is, this is just me talking a, as a kid who was, you know, raised by a single parent, a lot of things just get normalized. And I think that's the hardest part is you, you don't, you don't want the wrong things to be just be normal. Like, oh, you know, for me, it was like, I, I didn't want to have kids while I was in the military because I didn't want to have that situation of like, oh, it's my, you know, the birth of my daughter and I'm deployed, uh, which has happened to so many people I know. And it's just like one of those things that for me, it was like, I didn't expect, there were a lot of expectations that I could have had that I probably should have had that I just didn't have because that was just the way that things were. And I, I love that you're fighting 
having that by saying like, okay, I do have to go out and do these things. But then when I come back, we are sitting down, we are, we're catching up, but it's not going to be like us sitting down and talking like, you know, over the fireplace, like, tell me about the, tell me about the past week. Like, it's not that like we're doing, we're doing <laughs> yeah, fun no. things, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not, uh, it's not a winning scenario. The only time you can get a kid to talk to you, I think is if they are trapped alone in a car with you <laughs> or if they don't realize that they're talking to you. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's the other one. <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't blame them. Like, I don't really, I think as parents, we don't really have a right to the inner lives of our kids, but we're so used to like when they're littler, them telling us everything that we assume that they're going to keep telling us everything. And no, no, because now they're teenagers and they're people. And thanks. <laughs> thanks. No. And like, I remember being a teenager. My parents did not need in on my inner life. Thanks. Uh, I was a boring teenager. I didn't get fun until like my mid twenties. Yeah, I was, I wouldn't say I wasn't boring because I kind of was, but I still had like big feels. There were a lot of big feelings. Big yeah. Mood. <laughs> and, and like, as a parent, I'm like, oh, you have hormones. I'm like, no, I have, I have darkness in my soul. And uh, yeah, no, I'm just going to re- respect that the darkness in their soul might or might not be related to hormones, but whatever. Um, the other interesting thing about being away is like, who manages all the household management stuff? And maybe if you're coming from a single parenting background, it's easier because there's no fallback. But like, it, I find email sort of stressful. And my kid is going on an overseas trip this summer. And there's all this like paperwork related email that involves things like get a photocopy of the passport. And so I'm like, Hey, Megan, co-parent, will you please do that? Um, And Megan, who has worse ADD than I do is like, yeah, I'll absolutely do that. And then it doesn't get done. (laughs) Yeah. And then the teacher's like, yo, I really need that thing. And I'm like, oh, I, I delegated it. So, yeah, well. so with that, let's, let's, um, we can, we can move to that conversation. Not just, you're not just advocating for um, developers who have ADD or ADHD. You are a, a person in the tech space with ADHD. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I give a talk on this and the fact that I was diagnosed as an adult because a lot of well. people are last year. It turns out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Surprise. Uh, it, it turns out that it's super heritable. So a lot of people figure out about the time they get their kids diagnosed and they're like filling out this terrible form and they're like, Oh, that's me. Oh, that's me too. Yeah. No. Hmm. Hmm. And then they go to their doctor and their doctor's like, oh yeah, you didn't know? <laughs> you have never once showed up for time, on time for an appointment. Uh, I assumed that was a thing you knew. Um, and then you get diagnosed and then you have to rethink your entire like childhood and early adulthood. And like up till now, you have to rethink it in perspective of a disability lens instead of a perspective of I'm a no good slacker lens. I'm like, oh, oh, maybe, maybe the reason I drank 
five liters a day of Mountain Dew in college was because I was self-medicating. So how do you manage? I mean, like you said, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening when you are traveling, not just all over the country where you would only have to worry about plane tickets, but, you know, you're traveling all over the world. You have to worry about like passports and and all of those different things that come like, oh, I need to make sure I get my money exchanged. Uh, how do you keep track of, you know, the stuff that you have to do in Lisbon and then the stuff that you have to do in Sydney and then the stuff that you have to do in Oakland? Um, checklists. <laughs> I have a rigorous uh, set of checklists. And I also, I'm very fortunate that my company pays for a That's personal awesome. assistant for me. Um, yeah. So I can say to her, I'm going to Cape Town. Please find me flights on these dates using my, you know, pre-existing airline and hotel rewards. And, you know, the, the cards. And she takes care of that part of it for me. But I still need to check, like, Visa. Um, the one that trips me up all the time is power converters. Yeah. There is an actually a universal power co- converter you can do okay but not a hundred percent um it turns out south africa has a very weird one but i think based on research that i can maybe use the european converter and and we'll that see. that's the thing that, that so many people tend to forget is it's it's not the big it's not the big tasks that throw you off. It's always like the smallest of details. Like, oh, you have to make sure like, you know, hey, like you said, if you have the wrong converter, then, you know, you're in trouble. You know, once you, when, when you're there, it's not like you can do anything about it. So you're like, oh, well. Yeah, I, I hope you don't mind spending uh, like 60 euros at the Apple store in Germany to replace it because I've totally done that. That's when you do the, the um, two week, like no questions asked return policy. Like we call it renting <laughs> where you go out and you buy it and you take it back yeah. the next day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, what I do is a uh, checklist. And every time I forget something, it bites me on the ass. I add it to the checklist and I run through my checklist before I go. And I have packing checklist and I have like the three weeks ahead and the two weeks ahead and the day of departure. And um, they're all super like personal. So I don't like, I've shared a lot of things about my travel stuff, but like nobody needs to know about my, like how I remember to get, Oh my God, prescription uh-huh. medications such a pain in the butt because if you have ADD and you're on a stimulant medication in the U S it's super controlled, you can't have like extra, but what if you're going to be out of the country when your prescription comes up for a new? Yes. And that's not something that you can just like, if you're taking it and you stop taking it, it's not like, Oh, I get a cough. It's like, no, you start wanting to punch people. Yeah. Yeah, fortunately, I don't have the, well, no, I do have impulsivity, but it's not violent impulsivity. It's it's just like, I can't get up in the morning and I can't pay attention to people talking, which is kind of like 100% of my job is listening to people talking. Um, Like, I honestly don't know if I will ever travel to Japan because Japan doesn't allow you to bring any of that in, not even personal use. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. They're super intense. 
Um, and so, yeah, I have all of these. Do I need a visa? Do I, I actually almost never get cash for the country I'm going to ahead of time. Um, every country I've been to has an ATM and I pull out enough money to tip housekeeping. Um, and maybe if it's a super cash-based economy, like uh, Santo Domingo and the Dominican Report- Republic is more cash-based than, say, Sydney, Australia. Um, but for the most part, I just use my card. Uh, because otherwise you end up with, like, what are all these euros for? <laughs> yeah, well, those are souvenirs for all your friends that say, oh, did you bring me back something? I did. Here's five cents. <laughs> but it's euro cents. Yeah, exactly. So, Yeah. I, I have all these travel hacks. I have essentially pre-packed bags of everything. Um, so like when I come home, I'll wash it and repack it. Uh, but I have like all of my makeup lives in my travel gear. I don't, I work from home. I don't wear makeup at home that often. Um, all of my travel toiletries, like uh a, a little traveling medicine kit because you should never go anywhere without taking Imodium because if you need Imodium, you cannot sure. go out to get it. And and not to mention, like if you're in a foreign yeah. country and especially if, if English isn't the primary language and you just grab something, <laughs> that could be dangerous. Cause like you said, not everything yeah, is exactly. controlled as, as tightly as it is in the United States. Um, as someone, right. Or sometimes it's more tightly. You can't get melatonin in oh, in England. That, yeah, that is that's interesting. Whereas you know, I live thirty minutes from Mexico, and I mean, I'm not going to say you can get whatever you want because that would be weird. Um, but I do know of people who take their their dogs to the vet in Mexico because it's what it's cheaper and like yeah. even pet medication is absolutely bonkers in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, I run my life with checklists. Um, I accept that sometimes stuff at home gets dropped and that's uh, just an expense that I have to have to accept. Like, you know, once in a while I'll pay the bill and she'll pay the bill and all the, the bill is paid. The bank account is sad and, you know, shit like that. Um, but mostly how it works is when I'm traveling, I'm very much in the moment where I am. So with that, actually, and I think that that would bring up uh, probably the last question that I'll have for the first part of the interview, and then we'll jump into the after show. Um, So your job primarily, like you said, is to listen to people speak and, and to make sales, you know, to get the process started uh, in that sales process for Launch Darkly. Is there anything that you do outside of that that you have to be aware of, you know, for your job, for work, um, as far as recruiting goes? Or if you're, um, I mean, do you have to go into like Oakland or San Francisco just to to hang out with, you know, people in the main office? <laughs> I mean, is is there, do you have to do those things? And yeah. if so, how do you, how do you fit those in while you're you know touring all over the world Mm -hmm. so yeah i i wouldn't even say i'm i'm the top of the sales funnel i think of myself sort of as the whiskers of the organization i'm sort of out in advance so i'm giving talks on 
theory, but I'm also, I visit customers. Like when I was in Australia, I visited four different customers and I got them to organize a meeting and tell me everything that they feel about how it is to use our product. And then I take that back to the product team or I'll um, do women in tech special interest dinners. Um, and then, yeah, I do try and go back to the office a lot, especially since LaunchDarkly isn't a distributed team. So it's like me and the one DevOps guy who are who are remote. And um, so it's important for me to go in because otherwise people tend to forget that I'm a resource that they could have. Uh, so there are enough conferences in the San Francisco area uh, that I basically build two days onto the end of any time I'm in there and go into the office. So like I was in... Um, I was in San Francisco, or I was in Oakland, actually, for the sales kickoff, so I could do some training for the sales team and basically explain to them what's happening in the industry. And then I put in two extra days on top of that to show up at the office and eat lunch with people and hang out with them and get introduced. Um, And that's really an important part of the team building for me. And I have to pay a lot of attention to it because everybody else is sitting in the same place. And with an all remote team, like a born distributed team, that's not such a big deal because you have meetings and everybody sort of is aware of each other online. But if it's a mostly local team where, you know, you pop your head around the door and say, hey, can you join in on this meeting? Then I need to like be a visible and aware and, I'd guess that I spend probably probably five hours a week curating work relationships. And that means everything from like, hey, did you know that there's a, a Slack channel just for women? Here's where it is. Or sending people goofy gifts or like favoriting pictures of their kids or, you know, whatever it is so that they remember I'm there and that I'm a person. So it sounds like as much as you're you're managing the relationship at home and including things for you to do at that time, you're also managing things at your office kind of in the same way, making sure that when you when you are in the office, people know who you are, people are familiar with you and you're not alienating yourself out of, I guess, the routine that is the day-to-day office grind. Yeah. I have to say the developer advocate is not the job for people who don't like emotional labor Um, because it's a a two-way interface between outside developers and product And so on the one hand, I'm bringing stuff in from outside developers who may or may not be happy to my product team. And on the other hand, I'm taking what the product team has built and figuring out how to make that relevant to developers on the outside while I'm also maintaining all these relationships and connections. I probably spend another five hours a week maintaining what I think of as industry connections. So that's, you know, making time to do podcasts and uh, commiserating with people on Twitter and doing like recruitment uh, connections 
So like, I know there are a bunch of people laid off here and I know there's some people hiring here. Let me introduce them to each other. Um, I, or like, uh, I see somebody is, is having a rough travel trip. Uh, let me hop online and see if there's anything I can do for them. You know, can I, can I deliver them soup or something? Yeah. I, I remember how, how we were introduced. Uh, you had, you had just given a talk and, um, you had, it was weird because it was like, we were, I wanted to at least say hi because I had followed you on Twitter for like forever. And I remember just being like, Oh, I can't like, I don't want to like, she just finished her talk. She's fielding questions about that. And I kind of like, we were breaking for lunch and I was just like, Hey, Heidi, uh, big fan on Twitter. Uh, first time, long time, I guess. And I just want to say thank you because you actually bring joy to my Twitter timeline. Um, so and I guess in the world of Marie Kondo, like you spark joy. So thank you for that. And you're like, Hey, let's get lunch. And I was like, ah, I don't know what to do with this. So, <laughs> so here's an interesting secret about people who are, uh, you know, small famous. Um, it's sort of, I, I need to come up with a less sexist way to describe this, but it's the prettiest girl in school problem. Like the prettiest girl in school doesn't get asked out on dates because everybody assumes that she has something better to be doing than them. Like the second prettiest girl in school gets asked out on dates because she's accessible. But often people who you know on Twitter who are like famous or people who you think are, you know, amazing, everybody else thinks they're amazing too and they don't have anyone to eat lunch with. That's absolutely awesome. And I'll, I'll take my, my internet silence um, as an attestment to my fame. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> a dork. You know, you've, <laughs> you've probably seen this phenomenon happen, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there have been people that uh, I think the best example of this is uh, Brett Terpstra. He, he mentioned something. He was like, he's like, it's weird going on the internet and feeling like you don't have any friends, but you know a lot of people. And I, I think I just replied to it like, like, hey, I'll be your friend if, you, if you're if you actually open to talking. And, and he was like, sure. And like, he immediately followed me. And I was like, okay, <laughs> now I need to follow up on this. And then I, we just started DMing each other. And, and, you know, I, this was someone that I looked up to. And, you know, he's a developer, one that has um, ADHD as well and had been struggling in the moment with that. And he also did podcasts. So it was like, hey, I got ADHD. I'm struggling. I do podcasts. He's a lot like me. He does programming things. Let me pick his brain as much as possible. And it literally just took me, when he when it seemed like he was looking to talk to someone, I just presented myself to be available. And it sounds like that's what you do Um almost as like your job, but not your job. It's like, it's how you're excelling so well at what you do. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell, like when you're in a super public facing job, what is your job and what is your personality and what is your God help me personal brand. Um, but I really feel like being helpful and doing education and listening to people those are all things that I can get behind no matter who's paying me. 
I like that. And let's let's wrap it there. So before Heidi tells all of us how she can get in touch with us, I have to remind you, the listener, the person listening to the podcast, um, well, I guess it's going to listen to the podcast once it gets published, um, the conversation doesn't stop here. Uh, in a few seconds, Heidi is going to be asking me a series of questions um, that she doesn't know yet because this is the first time <laughs> she's heard of this. And she's like, wait, what? And... Sometimes I spring it on people. Sometimes I let them know in advance. I've known Heidi for two years. She's asked me hard questions before. So I felt like she would know. And to be honest, I just kind of procrastinated and forgot uh, to tell her about it. But if you want to hear those questions, then you need to help support the show with one week of hosting, which is $3. Um, just look in the show notes You'll see a link to our Ko-Fi page. That is Ko-Fi like coffee, but Ko-Fi, um, K-O-F-I slash J&J Media, which is the digital creation marketing thing that I am working on now and helping people in tech like you listening build your next podcast, launch your newsletter, be the next YouTube mediocre person because I never attest to any kind of stardom. I think stardom is dangerous. I just want to be happy. Um, and you can be happy with your creation stuff. But for more information on that, check the show notes. That's enough of that. Heidi, please, before we wrap up, tell everybody how they can reach out to you. <laughs> uh, so the easiest way to find me is on my Twitter, at Wired Ferret. And uh, probably we could put a link to that in. Um, also, if you're ready to ask me for advice, you can get to me at Heidi at launchdarkly.com. Uh, you could go ahead and try and add me on LinkedIn, but I'm probably not going to add you back because I'm just like that. And I'm just not on LinkedIn. Yeah, <laughs> <sighs> uh, well. All right. So are you ready for this mysterious after show that I did not warn you about at all and I feel really bad about, but I just completely spaced out on it? What ifs? Uh, Improvisation is life. Awesome. So, yeah, like I said, at the end of each conversation, all I do is stop asking questions and start giving answers. And now it is your turn to ask the question. So this is the Wired Ferret Show, and I am your guest. So please, you, I, I will answer any questions for as little or as long as you want. But from this point, the show is yours. Excellent. So, Jay, how is new fatherhood going? It is a blast. Like, like it's so, I, I feel like I always ask, I always answer that with like, have you ever, and it's like, oh wait, you're a parent. Yes, you have. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I've, I've huffed babies. <laughs> um, yeah, like that, just that seeing, seeing a, like a five and a half month old, like make funny faces that are similar to the funny faces that you make. And everyone's just like, oh, Oh no, let's, let's not get that bad habit <laughs> from your dad. Uh, but it's, it's cool. Cause it's like, I have a, a little, a little sidekick. We started streaming together on Twitch the other day and we just have fun. And like, I'm, I like disconnect my keyboard and just let her like bang on the keys <laughs> and, and like, she's just having fun and I'm, I'm supposed to be like working, but at the, in the meantime, I'm just like playing with her, trying to keep her happy. And, you know, I kind of forget what I'm doing half the time. Mm-hmm. That sounds fun. She eating solid food yet? Not yet. She's she's eating her uh, her rice cereal and um, mashed all the things Gerber and. Uh, oh my god! Uh, some of those flavors are so terrible. 
Yeah, like some of them just even smell terrible. Like I'll I'll open up. I think it's like the Jesus. carrot one. That was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. I am just. I am. I wanted to give her like French fries. That's that's. <laughs> no, no. My, as soon as you give them f- solid food, it becomes a projectile. <laughs> uh, my wife has is making sure that I am like. She's like, no, you cannot. <laughs> do not give my daughter French fries yet, and I'm like. I mean, she's she can handle it, and then like I'll call my mom for validation. She's like, "Yeah, I mean, I guess you could if you really wanted to, but <laughs> I mean, you're gonna regret it later." <laughs> yeah, that's totally my the mo- kind of grandma I'm gonna be. I'm like, "Yeah, you can try that. Let's see how it goes." So, how are you handling childcare? Like, how's that split going? Um, so my wife works at home. Um, I work thirty minutes away. And we do have a nanny that comes in and watches um, the baby Jay. I, I'm, I'm big Jay. She's baby Jay. Um, so watches Jay like during the day. And that was something that I think I think my wife and I were both like, how are we going to afford childcare? This is ridiculous. Um, and it is. But we were able to uh, work with a friend of ours and, and just kind of you know make things work. And I think even like... Now my wife actually watches like someone else to help pay for us having a nanny. So it's it's not too bad uh, because my wife is like right in the office, you know, the same office I'm talking in right now. She's normally in here during the day, but mm-hmm. it's definitely one of the I think it's harder for her because she can hear the baby playing. She can hear, you know, the baby like watching a movie or laughing or being down for a nap. Or if she starts crying, you know, the immediate response is like, I'm going to get up and see what's wrong. And it's like, I can't because I'm at work right now. And, yeah. you know, you can take a, a quick, you can, you can take a little break, but, you know, you don't want to take like 30 minutes to try to soothe your child while you're supposed to be like in a meeting. And mm-hmm. I, I feel for her. For me, like I said, it's a lot easier just because I'm not here during the day. But the eventual plan is, and one of the reasons I'm pushing so hard um, in this new venture is to get to the point where my side hustle is my primary job and I can work kind of with my own, I guess, schedule so that during the day I can stay at home, take care of the baby, and then at night kind of get work done and kind of augment that and switch off with her a little bit. And she's helping me with that too. She's a, she's my business partner and um, it's been working out. We're getting there, but we still got a long way to go. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm just always interested in how people split it because I was like, for the love of God, let me go back. (laughs) Yeah. When, and my wife who was still passing as a man at that point was like, no, I want to stay home with the babies. And, so we ended up working it out so she could do that. But uh, yeah, it's really interesting how how different people split it and how uh, like we see the statistics on we know that it is not evenly split, like the work and just like how does that how does that work out? You know, I'm always curious about how people are managing. I will say I think that there is. I, I do. I I am bad. I will admit I am bad about extended period of time 
focus <laughs> on on my daughter and I think a, not to make an excuse for it but a lot of that is I have a long I have a hard time spending an extended amount of time focusing on anything um, but I do I try to make up for it in other areas so I will I'll be the one that sweeps and mops, you know, all the floors and, and cleans the house and make sure that, you know, try to take the dogs out. And then I try to cook dinner. And we've actually been sharing a lot of the dinner responsibilities lately. But when I get home, I immediately, I, I grab baby and, you know, we hang out and we hang out until, you know, mommy's done working and then mommy will feed her and, you know, all of that. And then afterwards, she'll give her back to me and then like I'll hang out for a little bit and then uh and then she'll start freaking out and I'm like all right time to go back to your mother <laughs> and like yes. I, I I do I put the attempt forward but I will say like as far as the the physical like always there always interacting I'm probably not the best at that but where I do fall short I try to make up in some of the other areas and the other responsibilities around the house you know what I would give for somebody who swept and mopped? <laughs> I will admit, I only do that every, like, we, I sweep at least once three or weeks, twice a week, but weeks. I mop twice a week. I mop once every two weeks. Um, That's like, that would be yeah. great. <laughs> well, I mean, we we have hardwood floors, two dogs, and a cat. So if if yeah. by, like, the third day, you're already starting to fill it, and, like, the second week is hard, uh, it's just a matter of, like, okay, I got to wait until I'm actually off, because by the time I get home, it's take care of baby, baby feeds while we do figure out dinner, eat, put baby to sleep, and then we're tired. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It gets better. But yeah, no, it's one of the things that I'm always curious about. So what, if your side hustles work out, what will you be doing in five years? Uh, if my side hustles work out in five years, I will be following on your coattails, figuring out where to go next. Um, because that <laughs> is my goal. My goal is to, not necessarily be a developer advocate, but to be a speaker and to help uh, developers and their teams get things done in a more efficient way. And, and I don't mean efficient as in, you know, pu push button less times and produce more widgets. I mean, have your employees not want to rip their hair out and go home and like hate life. Uh, that's something that recently I just... I've been focusing more and more on uh, there's this principle called radiance where it's like if you have a bad day and your negative mood affects the coworkers around you, they go home and your negative mood has now affected their family, which can then affect their coworkers somewhere else. And being like having a positive impact on your work environment can not only help with the company morale, but it can help in the morale of other, you know, family units and the co and companies elsewhere. But on top of that, people who tend to get along with each other tend to communicate better. And communication is one of the, you know, foundations of anybody's, you know, effective working habit. Yeah. So uh, my brother says that... Uh, he wants people ops to not be about HR, but about streamlining all of that. And I'm like, that's an interesting idea. That is, that, that is cool. Uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's just a matter of I've worked, I've worked in 
the I'm the only person in the office doing things and I just have to report that things are done. I've been in that position. I've been in the position of like you're in the military and everything is super regimented and you have to kind of follow the letter of each thing, which is a fallacy because it doesn't work that way. Everything is half broken and you just got to figure out how to make things work. Uh, that's the truth of our military system, but whatever. Um, I've worked with the less fortunate and where you don't have a lot of the liberties where you can't just tell somebody, well, Hey, go do this. And it's like, you tell somebody, Hey, I'm going to help you get a job. You need to get a, a nice shirt. And they're like, I don't even have socks. Like that's, you know, you have to figure out how to effectively work with people. And now it's like, I'm trying to combine all of that to work with developers who have ADHD like me and developers who don't have a formal education in development like, like me. And effectively I'm trying to help the people that are a lot like me figure out how to barely make it in this crazy world. Yeah. And I think that a lot of us are going to pull together and make that work uh, like little bits at a time. So I'm, I'm going to point out to people that they could get diagnosed and uh, that, uh, you know, I use a lot of checklists and I use medication and you're going to point out that it's also useful to, to try this other stuff and to try these other learning methods. And I think what we need is not like one solution, but a bunch of different, um, I, I think in academia, we would say praxis, but a bunch of different workarounds. I, I think it's funny that the last two days I've been stressing over how to maintain checklists and then I interview the person who runs their entire life off of checklists. Um, that's that's something you can't make up. Like like the movies aren't even that good. Yeah, you, you've read the book, right? <laughs> that's on my list to read this that's year. Good. It's but, it's short uh, and the, easy. Yeah, I've uh, right now I'm finishing um, the Bullet Journal Method by writer Carol, and I'm a I'm a notebook person through and through. Like I use pen and paper, which is why when People were giving me app suggestions. I was just kind of like, I don't think you guys get it. Yeah, <laughs> and oh then I God. realized that I had written app in the in the actual question. In October, <laughs> someone stole my bag and it had the list in it. Oh no! I am still recovering. <laughs> That's I as, as someone who has several lists inside of his like the the book. Like for me, it's like the book, and the book gets rotated out every four weeks and there's a process in it and if that process isn't done properly so many things get dropped i fully understand like that that headache that you had to go through It, it was a nightmare um but it's really interesting to me because uh sometimes like i've thought about bullet journaling and it's um it's a little too heavyweight for me like literally what I have is a to-do list of things that I should remember to do and a to-do list of things I want to write. And that's it. Um, yeah. I, I would think that, I mean, I, I struggle a little in my bullet journaling just because I am not one to try and make it look pretty. Like I, I follow the make it work, make it right, make it fast, like policy. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I definitely do think that there is a lot of, not just in bullet journaling, but a lot of productivity mentalities that are overcomplicated just for the sake of it, I guess, being worth the, the monetary investment into learning it. Um, I mean, when I could derive a lot of value from it, I'm just not one of them. No, absolutely. But I I think that a lot of that value is also manufactured. Um, And I think that's the hard part is, is, you know, being able to, I guess, if you were like, like a biblical scholar would say, separate the wheat from the chaff. But like, I like when I coach um, developers, one of the first things that I do is I take their productivity apps away and like, all right, we're not going to use this. We're going to, we're going to figure out what is the baseline that is required. Yeah. What's your minimum uh, be- viable productivity? <laughs> exactly. Because so many people are just like, Oh, well, I, I want to use this tool because it does, you know, calendar syncing and location based notifications. And, and I'm like, but do you really need that? Like, but do you really? And and like, you've got all these notifications going off in your head. And, you know, for, for people like us who are doing so many things, the last thing that I need are more notifications. Like I push notifications. Of the devil. Yes. <laughs> like they are, I have turned off my email notifications. Uh, I've turned off my Twitter notifications, nothing but my calendar beeps at me. I just stopped checking it. <laughs> like, that's my thing. I feel bad because people will be like, oh, I'll email you. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> please, please do. But just know that I'm not going to get back in. I'm not going to get back to you for at least like 14 hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Um, and I, I try and set expectations around that. Um, but yeah, I I can't with things disrupting my my train of thought and i'm like it's nice that you can but i can't so i turn off all the push notifications i turn off it like i'm still fighting with slack on how to um how to stop doing that to me where it's like oh you have an unread thing i'm like i'll I'll get to it when i get to it stop being attractive slack is a mystery (laughs) i i have i've never been able to figure out notifications in slack i it's like you think you turn them off and then all of a sudden it's like we won't tell you, but we're still going to give you that button. We're going to give you that little red blob there that says you got like 63 unread messages. And like, that's just anxiety inducing. That's not fun. Yeah. So yeah, no, I turned off all of those. And um, so my, I, Oh, I was going to tell you about this talk that I heard at RubyConf AU by Adam Cuppy. And he did a talk on mechanical confidence which was basically people who have been developing a long time are very rigid about where they put their windows while they're working, like their computer yes. windows. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who haven't been doing it a long time are sort of very loosey goosey about this. And they're like, maybe it's over here sometimes and maybe it's over there. And he said, I did an experiment where I took half of the people I was training and made them put their apps in the same place and told them they couldn't open any other windows. And they could only do tabs. And they got more confident about coding because they were more confident about where they'd put things. And I, I keep thinking about this talk. I was like, I heard that talk. I'm like, oh, sounds nice for developers, whatever. <laughs> I keep thinking about this because I have one hook that my keys go mm-hmm. on. If I don't put my keys on the one hook, they could be any day oh, yeah. No, uh, absolutely. Like I have... 
in in regards to the actual development side, I actually do more on my iPad now because it restricts me to one window, maybe two. And it's like, don't worry about this other stuff. Focus on this thing and this thing only. Um, And then, you know, in my outside, my IRL life, I am very much the same way. Like my, (laughs) my wife gets mad at me because she'll like set something down. I'll pick it up and move it just because I need to know where it is. And like, like, no, it being right there is not going to work. It needs to be over here. And uh, I do the same thing. Like the, my, my towel goes on the left. Her towel goes on the right. If it was ever the other way, I would, you would just be using, I wouldn't even be using her towel. I would be like looking and like, something's wrong here like i can't i'm looking i'm just gonna stand here and drip because i yeah. cannot yeah. And, yeah but but that's the thing and, and i think that a lot of that i mean a lot of that comes with you know again we're we're wired in a fun way i tell people i'm right i'm wired in parallel while you're in series so it's fine um but at the same time if my keys are not where they were i have to literally try to like rewind time to figure out okay I, I did this and i did this and i did this and i put this here and i put this there and i did this thing you know what i, I give up i'll just go to work without my keys and they'll show up at some point and that's usually what happens like my wife will like text me hey you left your keys and i was like uh, yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so thinking about mechanical confidence i'm like this is how i think a lot of people with add have worked around the fact that Either like some people have distractible type where um, clutter is visually overwhelming and stressful. And some people have inattentive type um, where they don't notice it. Like those are the people who can be literally walking across mounds of laundry. Um, I have, I married a person with the opposite kind of me and we have a mixed set of kids. Parenting this has been super fascinating, but I'm like, thing that makes this work for me is things always go back in the same place. And if they don't, I kind of fall apart. Yeah. And, and the rest of the, like other parts of my family, they're like, if I can't see a thing visually, like if it's not spread on the floor or the counter, it doesn't exist. (laughs) That's, that's so interesting. And in that, I feel like that is, I feel like I'm I'm similar in that I will set things down and immediately forget what I did with them. But then in the art of like I need to know where this is, I then immediately like I I, I mentioned like the Marie Kondo kind of mentality. Like I basically do that on a daily. <laughs> like that's that's like okay, I lost this thing. Let me let me start over. <laughs> like pull everything out, put it back one by one and throw half of it out. I mean, that's, I do that with my life in general. Like the reason why this podcast and everything kind of came to a crashing halt last year was I felt like I just needed to stop everything, take inventory and just dump things. Like I can't be, I can't collect anything because I'll, I will throw it away. And then one day I'll be like, Oh, why did I throw that away? Um, like my wife is the exact opposite where like she collects comic books and I'm like, I, I don't have enough attention to read a comic book, let alone like the wherewithal to actually hold on to them for years and years. Yes. I'm actually going to go look and see if I did manage to hold on to a comic book. 
Megan collects comic books, but just leaves them in boxes and piles so that they are not useful. I'm like, make them useful or make them go away. <laughs> no, I, I, if if her if her flat of comic books disappeared, I would I would probably disappear with them. Um, and and she is always. It's funny because she's not. She's very organized, and it's weird because I. I am very particular, but I wouldn't say I'm ultimately organized. Like I just have a place for everything, but it doesn't necessarily need to be alphabetical or anything like that. For me, it's just like, okay, this stuff goes here. And as long as this stuff is here, I don't care what order it's in. But for her, it's like everything is all the DC comics go here. Then the Marvel comics go here and they're alphabetized and um, they're in their running order. And then all of the third party independent comics are in this box. And yes, I find that very soothing. It's it's soothing to watch. It's terrible to implement. Yeah. (laughs) The problem is I'll implement it and then other people will, will disrespect it. Oh, and so. Actually, one of the things I've had to do is decide which things I care about enough to fight about. Like when you've been married for 20 years, you sort of like, honest to God, like 10, 15 years in, uh, we went to couples therapy just to get some new fights. I'm like, I just, <laughs> I just want some new fights. I'm really tired of all of the fights that we're currently having. They're not resolvable. And uh, the marriage therapist was like, yeah, no, that's a stage. <laughs> that's that's interesting i i we've only been we've been together seven years so i mean at this point it's like i feel like we are we hit that first milestone of like oh we've been married for five years like i finally am comfortable like burping in front of you and now it's like let's let's move to the real steps where we can actually like sit down and argue for three days and at the end of the night be like love you Good night. And then just figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. What do I care about? Like the one thing that I want when I come home from travel and the one thing that I ask for is that the bed be made. Like, I don't care what kind of squalor you live in when I'm gone. I want the bed to be made. And so (laughs) she's actually had to set a reminder for like the days that I come back, like fake <laughs> bed, consider vacuuming. Hello, cat. Uh, yes, she is. I don't know. Like you have food. I don't. You just want attention. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what she does. The cat is my boss when it's not my wife and it's not my daughter. Yeah. Which actually, my daughter is like screaming bloody murder in the background, so I might have to. <laughs> you might need uh, to go. Yeah. yeah, I might actually need to, to go. But no, this is this has been fun. Yeah. We need to do this more often. I need to figure out the next time. Are you are you going to DjangoCon in San Diego? Uh, when is it? Uh, October-ish? I do not know yet. I think. It is Okay. It is not impossible. <laughs> I will send the information to you. I don't think I will be attending the conference, but I mean I live 30 minutes away. Like I live in the county of San Diego, but I don't live in the city. So, but I work in the city, so it's always easy for me to to hang out with people in there if they're in town. Yep. All right. Let me get out of here, figure out what the cat wants, figure out what my daughter wants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 